Chandra Jaya Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Deita Chandra Jaya Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvita Chandra Jaya Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna <coughs> So Sri Nrsinga Deva Ki Jai Nrsinga Avirbhava Hotsava Ki Jai I thought to speak something about Lord Chaitanya and the Mayavadis. Speak about, mainly I just want to read and comment from Chaitanya Charitamrita. My immediate inspiration for this is a seminar uh, which was given by his Grace Ravindra Saruprabhu many years ago, decades ago, called uh, Defeating Mayavadi Philosophy, I think. You know it? Uh, it's still available. It's online. Iskhan Desire Tree. You all know this. com or .org, whatever it is. Uh, you go to audio and then you go to Prabhu's A through, no, K through R or something like that. Uh, and then you find Ravindra Prabhu and then you find seminar seminars and then you'll find, yeah. I recommend, it's uh, it's about 24 lectures he's given. So he goes quite into depth. And um, he uh, he discusses from different perspectives, beginning <coughs> beginning with uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, and but then he also talks about Western philosophy uh, because one of his points that he makes is that nowadays you meet people. Uh, with some philosophy, when you talk with them about Krishna consciousness, they say, well, yes, but I think, and then then they start, and off we go, and it's usually within about two minutes you find out that basically they're Mayavadi. But where did they get their Mayavada from? They didn't get it from Shankaracharya, uh, they got it mostly from some filtered, some <coughs> watered-down form of Plotinus, for example. Uh, they may have gotten it through Aldous Huxley, <laughs> who got it from, you know, somebody who got it from somebody who got it from Plotinus, <laughs> 
pretty much the the root of uh, what we would call Mayavada, or more broadly, impersonalism, comes from that side, from 3rd century, 4th century, I don't remember now. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I just thought, let's look a bit in our own uh, Vaishnava tradition at how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, is described as meeting the sannyasis in Varanasi. Anyone here has ever been to Varanasi, otherwise known as Banaras? Yes? Yeah? Banaras is a kind of hotbed of Mayavad, Shankara. <coughs> followers of Shankara, followers of other uh, such traditions. And um, when I visited there some years ago, there's a small Iskhan temple, preaching center, <laughs> valiantly preaching against all of that. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, to preach in Baranasi. That's something. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was on his way uh, to and from, I think it was both. Uh, he was on his way from uh, from Puri to Vrindavan, and uh, he met. I always get mixed up which one he met where, but he met Sanatan Goswami and Ruba Goswami in Varanasi and Allahabad, which wasn't called Allahabad at that time. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and uh, he gave his instructions to them. And while he was in Varanasi, uh, he met one of uh, his own uh, disciples, Tapan Mishra, or follower. There's a debate. Did, did Lord Chaitanya actually have disciples formally initiated by him? And uh, there are different theories. And some say, well, actually, he only had one disciple, uh, and that is Gopal Bhatta Goswami. Guess who says that? The followers of Gopal Bhatta Goswami. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's another subject. Uh, but so, <clears throat> Lord Chaitanya was in Varanasi, and he, uh, of course, this is after he has taken sannyas. He has already traveled uh, around South India. He's come back to Puri. Uh, and all this time he's wanted to go to Vrindavan, but for various reasons he hasn't managed to go. And so now he's finally, uh, he's, he's finally on his way to Vrindavan. And there in Varanasi, uh, he is... Uh, as he does everywhere, he's chanting Hare Krishna and he's feeling great bliss in his chanting of Hare Krishna and he's having kirtan with others, with devotees. And then the news comes that uh, the local sannyasis are not at all pleased with, uh, with what Lord Chaitanya is doing. 
because um, they feel embarrassed. They feel embarrassed. Why embarrassed? Because we're sannyasis, he's a sannyasi. He's, one, he's supposed to be one of us. And what do we do? What do sannyasis do? They sit very quietly in room, in, in a large, smaller room or larger room, smaller group or a larger group. And what do they do? They discuss Vedanta. We discuss Vedanta. We do not go out on the street and act like crazy people. <clears throat> singing and dancing. We don't do such things. And you are misrepresenting us by doing this Hare Krishna. You, you joined the Hare Krishna movement. That's all right, but don't, you know, you're a sannyasi. <clears throat> and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas from whom? Keshava Bharati. Keshava Bharati is Hare Krishna, we have one car has to be removed. It's always like this. Yeah, best one. A blue Polo VW. It's a um, EB G420. Blauer Polo Deutsch EBE G420. Bitte fahr dein Auto da weg. Please remove your car. And maybe someone knows this car, blue Polo, and knows the owner and can give it further need to be removed because someone wants to leave and cannot. Please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas guru was Keshava Bharati, which means he was of the Bharati uh, club of sannyasis. And there is a system uh, in India of followers of Shankaracharya uh, that is called Dasanami Sannyasa. There are ten names uh, which are um, like different um, schools or sub-schools, you could say, of sannyas. And one of these is, is Bharati. Uh, another is Sarasati, Shilavakti Siddhanta Sarasati gave himself that title because he took sannyas himself, by himself, sitting in front of a picture of his Guru Maharaj, Srila Gorki Shordas Babaji Maharaj, because he felt there was no one around who was qualified other than his Guru Maharaj, to give him sannyas. So, yes. So there's Bharatis, there's uh, Sarasatis, there's Puri, there's Tirtha, uh, there's, uh, I think, Vana is one of them, Ashrama, there's ten names. So he was initiated by a Bharati, and... Um, after he took sannyas, he went to Puri soon after that, and he met Sarvabhauma Bhattacharya. 
Sarvabhaumat Bhattacharya was a householder, but very revered as a very learned pundit. Uh, and um, in fact, he's one of the, you can say, founder acharyas of a particular intellectual tradition called Navanyaya. Uh, in any case, so when Lord Chaitanya came, he was, you know, just a young kid. He was 24 years old. And and he had taken sannyas. And he took sannyas from a bharati? Why did you take from a bharati? For Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, this was a lower class of sannyasis. You know. Anyway, you know, we're going to teach you... Let me teach you some Vedanta. Let's get you up to, up to uh, speed on... Uh, Philosophy, and then uh, we'll see what we can do. Maybe we get some reinitiation for you or something. <laughs> yeah, back in those days, even then, they were talking about such things. Anyway, that was years before. Now he's in Varanasi, and the sannyasis there saying, "What are you doing? You're embarrassing us uh, with with all your carrying on out there." Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, you know. What will people think of us? And so they kind of, we, say, we have a saying in English, they called him in on the carpet. Yeah, you have that, yeah. So they called him in to explain himself. You know, what are you doing? <clears throat> but when he came in to their assembly, and this is according to uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj, who has written the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Everyone was astonished because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was so effulgent. And so, although they may have been ready to say, you know, what are you doing embarrassing us? Instead, they, they were like, uh, Maharaj, uh, can you please tell us? You know, what are you doing? <laughs> they were very respectful. And uh, Mahaprabhu says, yes, I can explain. And then he explains to them that he said, I'm, I was initiated, my uh, spiritual master gave me this mantra and he told me uh, to just chant this mantra. So I, I started chanting it and I, I, I became kind of carried away with it. And I thought, what am I doing wrong? So I went back to my guru and I asked him, what am I doing wrong? And he said, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right. Keep doing it. Keep chanting. And he said, you are um, not qualified to do anything else except chant Hare Krishna. Forget about Vedanta, just chant Hare Krishna. So that's what I do. And as a result, I feel so blissful. I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> and he preaches a little about the holy name and then he starts going into uh, the subject of Vedanta. I'll start with verse 97 of uh, Adi Lila, chapter 7. Kishaname je ananda shindu ashadano brahmananda tara age 
Compared to the ocean of transcendental bliss that one tastes by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, the pleasure derived from impersonal Brahman realization, Brahmananda, is like the shallow water in a canal. Now, I'm going to um, do something which is some may think is not proper, but I'm doing it anyway for a purpose. I'm skipping over Prabhupada's purports. You can read these purports. He explains many, many details, many important points in these purports. But what I want to do is try to get the the thread of the story. And to do that, you need to read one verse after another. And I suggest you can also do that with all of Prabhupada's books. Not that you forget about the purports, but sometimes you read the whole chapter and then you go back and read purports. That can be very helpful. Uh, next verse he quotes from a work called Hari Bhakti Shudodhaya. My dear Lord, O Master of the Universe, since I have directly seen you, my transcendental bliss has taken the shape of a great ocean. Being situated in that ocean, I now realize all other so-called happiness to be like the water contained in the hoof print of a calf. And that's a, a well-known expression. Calves hoof prints, not very big, not very difficult to cross over. <laughs> oh no, there's a puddle of water here. It's as big as a calf's footprint. What do I do now? No problem. Prabhurmishtabakya shuni shonashiragana chittapirigela kahe madura bachchana After hearing Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all the Mayavadi sannyasis were moved. Their minds changed. And thus they spoke with pleasing words. So in this uh, verse it says, Mishtavakya, sweet words. Lord Chaitanya was speaking very sweetly and they were charmed by his words. I think this is a nice lesson for us also when we are preaching. The word preaching is not a popular word, by the way, in modern, <clears throat> in America at least. I don't think it's popular in Europe either. Because preaching sounds like somebody's trying to persuade me of something that I do not want to be persuaded of. Right? We use it in a different sense. It's the glorious activity of uh, distributing the glories of the Lord. But we have to be careful how we do it. We have to be careful not to burn people. I, I heard a a burnout story uh, today, which is very unfortunate, um, but that's another subject. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's words were 
Mishta, very sweet. Je kichu kahile tumi shabashatta hoy Krishna prema shephai jarabhagyodoy Dear Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what you have said is all true. Only one who is favored by fortune attains love of Godhead. Now you and I may wonder, did they really say that? <laughs> Here are these hardcore Mayavadis. And here they are, according to Krishna's Kaviraj, um, they're, they're saying, yes, actually someone with good fortune will appreciate the holy name. Well, I would say there are all kinds of Mayavadis. Uh, one time I was in Puri, and Puri is one of four major headquarters uh, of uh, the Shankara Shankaracharya headquarter mats. There's one in Puri, one in uh, South India, one in Dwarka, one in Badrik. Uh, Badrik <clears throat> Ashram? Badra, what is it called? Badrinath, yeah. So I had heard there's this uh, Shankara Mat in Puri and this is some years ago. One day I thought, I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> so I took a japa walk. I don't know why I asked. I found out where it was and I went. And the front gate was open. There were no people in the courtyard. I just kind of was wandering in. And uh, I sort of found my way into a temple. They had a temple. I don't remember which deity. I have to... <laughs> Shiva, I think. And then as I was kind of wandering out, I saw that there was a whole crowd of people. It was a fairly large compound, and off of the compound there was a, um, a public hall, and there were many people in this hall. And someone was speaking, <coughs> uh, and they were speaking Hindi. And I just walked by slowly and was kind of listening, you know, what is this Mayavad philosophy they're preaching? <laughs> but it's in Hindi and my Hindi is not, it's pretty minimal. But I could follow enough to know that um, he was telling some Krishna Leela. Yeah, I think it was Damodar Leela. He was, you know, as we talk about, so they were talking Damodar Leela. And for them, that's no problem. Wait a minute, I thought they're taking it all as maya. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's all maya. It's all illusion. It's all ultimately illusion, but for all practical purposes. Vyavaharika avastha, it's called. Um, we can relish. And then uh, by engaging in uh, bhakti, we can eventually so they say, uh, come to jnana. And from that position, then no more need, no more need to serve Krishna. Ooh, yeah, this is what they say. I'm, I'm simplifying because uh, 
a real card-carrying Mayavadi will probably say, no, 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 you guys got it all wrong, it's not like that. And then they will tell you some very, very complicated explanation about how uh, the word maya means, it, the, how maya is anirvachaniya. We cannot determine whether maya is real or not real. Yeah. You cannot say it's either real or not real. And so on like that. Well, let's go back to Chaitanya Charitamrita. <laughs> I don't want to scare you. Atashuni hashi prabhu balila bachana dukkana manahajodi kori nibedano. After hearing the Mayavadi sannyasi speak in that way, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu smiled slightly and said, My dear sirs, if you don't mind, I can say something to you regarding Vedanta philosophy. Okay, so now, now begins uh, his speech. Okay, it seems like it missed the Bengali here. What did I miss? Okay, that's not too... Sorry, I'm just getting myself fixed here. Okay, verse 103. tomake narayana. Hearing this, the Mayavadi sannyasis became somewhat humble and addressed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Narayana himself, who they all agreed he was. Now there's a double, there's two things going on here. At least two. <clears throat> One is we understand, yes, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Narayana himself. Hmm? Supreme Personality. Godhead they were understanding this in a different way. They were understanding that anyone who takes sannyas is immediately elevated to, be, to being Narayana. Figure that out. Yeah, you can become Narayana. Just get one of these sticks, put on some saffron and cloth, and you can be Narayana. <coughs> hmm. <laughs> but then who is Narayan for them? Narayana is Ishvara, who, as I said, is within uh, the sphere of Maya. In Sattvaguna, Sattvaguna Maya. Okay. So um, Narayan's way up there at the top. You can't go higher than Narayana and still be an individual being. Because beyond that, what is there? There is Brahman only. And Brahman, how many, how many are there in Brahman? There is one only. Ekameva advitiya, there is 
one without a second. Well, there's two ways of understanding that. Okay. Um, hmm. No? This thing jumps back at me. It's not doing what I want. Okay, 103, 104. Let's go here. Dear Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they said, to tell you the truth, we are greatly pleased to hear your words. And furthermore, your bodily features are so pleasing that we feel extraordinarily satisfied. Extraordinary satisfaction in seeing you. So the situation is good for Lord Chaitanya to speak because now they're open to listen. Uh, and, and that's what's been essentially described in the last several verses. I didn't start in the beginning of that. Tomar Prabhavi, Tomar Prabhavi Shobar. Anandita mana kabu ashangatanahe tomar bachano. Dear sir, by your influence our minds are greatly satisfied and we believe that your words will never be unreasonable. Therefore you may speak on the Vedanta Sutra. Hmm. Okay, now we begin. This is Lord Chaitanya speaking on Vedanta. Prabhu kahe Vedanta Sutra Ishara Bachan Basharupe Koila Jahashi Narayano. The Lord said, Vedanta philosophy consists of words spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead Narayana in the form of Vyasadeva. Okay, now this is something that we might feel not very surprised about. Uh, because that's what we always hear. The Vedas uh, are spoken uh, by, or they they come originally from Narayana. And what is Vedanta? It is the end of Veda. Uh, and here he seems to be alluding to, yeah, that's in the purport, to a particular work called Vedanta Sutra. And he's saying that Vedanta Sutra is, uh, has been written by Vyasadeva. And who is Vyasa? Vyasa is Narayana. So we may say, okay, so what else is new? <laughs> we know this. Uh, but for uh, followers of Vedanta, pra practitioners of Vedanta, outside of Vaishnava traditions, especially our tradition, uh, this may not be taken uh, for granted. There's a technical term here, and that is aporusheya. Aporusheya, uh, which is the opposite of porusheya, and porusheya comes from the word purusha. Purusha means person, often translated as male person. So, aporusheya means not of a person, not related to a person. And traditionally, um, in particular, according to Mimamsa philosophy, uh, the Veda is 
Purusheya. It has not been uh, originated from any person, neither ordinary folks nor by a supreme person. They will say that the Vedas are self-manifest. They have always existed. They may be um, written down because different Vedic hymns from the Rig Veda are um, said to be composed, but they say, no, they're not composed by different rishis. Rather, the rishis uh, have seen a Vedic hymn and then they have related. They don't write the hymns down, they speak them and they're uh, memorized. And so they say, Veda is eternal and that means not coming from the Lord. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, let's get one thing straight. <laughs> and that is that uh, the Vedas are coming from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vedanta of Vaishnavas will still say, they will agree with the Mimamsakas and say that the Vedas are apurusheya. They are not from a person, but what the Vaishnavas understand by person is by an ordinary person, by someone other than the Supreme Person. So it's just good to know that this machine is. I don't know how. To, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just turn this off and that will stop. Yes. Okay, so Vedanta philosophy. So here he's referring to uh, Vedanta Sutra, also known as Brahma Sutra, sutras sometimes. And uh, this is a, a book uh, consisting of very, very short aphorisms in Sanskrit, uh, very compact, approximately 550 sutras are there. And these sutras are so compact that to understand them, one needs commentary. To just read uh, the sutras by, by themselves are not very illuminating, even for someone who knows Sanskrit very well. Uh, and so commentary is, is very important. But here, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is going to say, he's... he's He's saying, actually, Vedanta Sutra is very easy to understand if you take it the right way. But you people are taking it in an indirect way. And that's what uh, makes it all problematic. Okay. Some of Prabhupada's purports in this section are rather long um, because he's explaining lots of points. Okay, <clears throat> verse 107. Brahm-prama-dipralipsa-karana-bhato-ishare-bhakke-nahidosha-eshab The material defects of mistakes, illusions, cheating, and sensory 
inefficiency do not exist in the words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Upanishat Shohita Sutra Kaheje Tata Mukya Vritye She Arta Parama Mahato The Absolute Truth is described in the Upanishads and Brahma Sutra. But one must understand the verses as they are. That is the supreme glory in understanding. Okay, now, someone who is not at all familiar, who doesn't know any, never heard anything about Veda, Upanishads, any of this, will say, what are you people talking about? What is all this? Uh, what's the, what is this Veda? What, is, what are these books? Who cares what it says in these books? We don't care. We, we read, um, you know, we read the newspaper. <laughs> uh, we read, uh, maybe Christians say, we, we follow the Bible. And so on, the different uh, religious traditions will say, but Veda, never heard of it. But Veda has been understood, uh, let's, let's make it historical, from the time of Shankaracharya, and he's usually, usually dated as uh, late um, 8th century to early 9th century. From that time, it's been understood uh, at least, and actually, of course, before, uh, that Veda is some sort of final authority. But how to understand the Veda? And so we get into the question of interpretation. And this turns out to be one of the big topics of both Mimamsa and Vedanta. Sometimes Mimamsa is called Purva Mimamsa. Sorry for, I know some of you sort of, uh, you hear all these technical terms and say, just save me that, okay? You know, I don't, get to your point, will you? <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> Sorry, it, it's a result of hanging out in universities and such. Anyway, um, point here is that these two are related. There's one Purvamimamsa, the other is Uttaramimamsa. One is preliminary, the other is the later Mimamsa. And mimamsa just means deliberation, analysis. And one thing that the two have in common is that they're both about how do we interpret this literature. And in fact, Vedanta is going to borrow some principles from Purvamimamsa about how to interpret uh, the Upanishads and uh, the Vedanta Sutra. And this is the other point uh, about sort of where their ways part is the Purvamimamsakas are interested in uh, the karma kanda side of Veda. And the Uttaramimamsakas, Vedantins, followers of Vedanta, they're interested in mainly 
the Upanishads. Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra, and Bhagavad Gita. Uh, somehow this was established by Shankaracharya that these three would be fair basis for understanding Vedanta. And it's surprising that Shankaracharya accepted the Bhagavad Gita because Bhagavad Gita just it's just so thoroughly personalist that devotees wonder how does he get some impersonalism you know how does he squeeze impersonalism out of the Bhagavad Gita well you really have to try but he manages it <laughs> now in this verse <coughs> is another technical term, and that is mukya vritti. There are two. There's mukya vritti and there's gauna vritti. Um, and there's a famous example. This will illustrate for you what this is about. There is an expression in Sanskrit um, which is uh, gangayam gotra Gotra, uh, no, not Gotra, Gosha. Yeah, sorry. Gangayam Gosha. Gosha means village, and Ganga means the river Ganga. Yeah, the river Ganga. Gangayam means on the river or in the river. It's the locative form. Gangayam Gosha. You're talking about a village on the river Ganga? How can there be a village on the river Ganga? That would be a village which floats away very quickly or sinks very quickly. That can't be right. Okay, so literal meaning, mukhyavritti is on the Ganga, but that doesn't make any sense. Therefore, we will take secondary meaning. That is called gaunavritti. And we'll understand that in this case, on the river means on the bank of the river. Yeah, okay. Village on the bank of a river. Makes sense, right? <clears throat> in Sanskrit aesthetics, they take it one step further. They say there is what is called dvani. Dvani means... It means vibration, but it also means suggestion. Poetry is not about literal meanings, and it's also not about indirect meanings. It's about, it's about suggestion. So this example again, Gangayam Gojaha, what is the Dvani understanding? It means, it indicates that there were cool breezes because a village on the Ganga, there will be cool breezes. It doesn't say anything about cool, doesn't say anything about breezes, but Gangayam Gosha means cool breezes, according to this system of uh, interpretation. Okay. Um, I just noticed there's no more electricity coming here. That's 
not essential. I can manage some battery. So, Lord Chaitanya is saying, uh, I'm really into the mukya vritti. I'm really into the direct meaning of things as far as possible. So, what's he going to say? <clears throat> Gauna vritte jeba bhasha korila acharjo tahara shravane nasha hoy sharvakarjo. Sripad Shankara Acharya has described all the Vedic literatures in terms of indirect meanings. One who hears such explanations is ruined. Imagine the situation. These are all followers of Shankaracharya and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is telling them point blank, point blank, <laughs> anyone who listens to what you've been listening to for I don't know how many years, you're ruined. I'm sorry. But he says it in such a nice way. <laughs> Mishtavakya. <laughs> so sweetly that they're, yes, we're ruined. <laughs> <clears throat> but then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hastens to add Tahara Nahikadosha Isharagapaya Gonarta Korila Mukya Arta Achadila Shankaracharya is not at fault, for it is under the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead that he has covered the real purport of the Vedas. Sometimes Shankaracharya is called <clears throat> Channa Bodha, a covered Buddhist. Historians will also say that it may very well be the case that Shankaracharya was highly instrumental in the disappearance of Buddhism from India. Um, by the time that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in India in the early 16th century, Buddhism was practically entirely gone from India. Not utterly, because <clears throat> we do have uh, reference to one, uh, there's uh, one episode, Lord Chaitanya met some Buddhists in South India. Uh, but um, some say that it was Shankaracharya's preaching that uh, turned many people away from Buddhism uh, to uh, the Vedic system. And how he did it was very clever because, well, it's simplifying, but in a sense you can say that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, sorry, Shankaracharya, before him, that the Buddhists were saying, Shunyata, it is all emptiness. Uh, it is all, as Prabhupada would say, jiro. Zero, yeah. I mean, uh, a real live hard card-carrying Buddhist today 
if you say shunyata means emptiness, zero, they will say, no, 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 you got it all wrong, it's not like that. But in any case, that's another subject. Uh, in one sense, what uh, Shankaracharya did is said, well, instead of saying that the ultimate reality is zero, let's say that it's one. What's the difference between zero and one? when considering the absolute reality with no distinctions, without any uh, variety. If there's no variety and you call that one, and there's no variety and you call that zero, what's the difference? The difference is that if you say, if you follow Shankara, then at least you are follow, following Veda. Because Shankara honored the Vedas. For us, again, we may say, you know, what's, what's the big deal? What's the difference? Or, or people in the public, people we meet, Veda, who cares? Zero, one, who cares? What's the difference? People don't, they don't know, oh, here's the verse in the purport. Uh, they don't know uh, themselves what they believe. Uh, they may be Mayavadi, but don't know it. And also, as Ravindra Saruprabhu points out in this seminar, Srila Prabhupada uh, points out that he, Ravindra was wondering, why are you telling us all this about Mayavadis? That's because you are Maya. Because <laughs> there's Mayavada tendency is there in all of us uh, a, a, a tendency to depersonalize to uh, to think that there may be something beyond Krishna mayavadam satchastram prachanam bodham ucchate mayaiva kalpitam devi kalo brahmana rupina uh, this is uh, from Padma Purana that Shankara Shiva is telling Parvati I will appear uh, as Shankara <laughs> in order to preach uh, Maya, um, Mayavada philosophy uh, as as Buddhism covered Buddhism yeah All right, just a few minutes more, and then uh, we'll we can continue. I think we're scheduled for some more of this tomorrow. Let's see how many of you survive. Brahma shabde mukya arte kohe bhagavan chit aisharja paripurna anurta shoman. According to direct understanding, the absolute truth is the supreme personality of Godhead who has all spiritual opulences, no one can be equal to or greater than him. Now up to this point, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not quoting either Vedanta Sutra or uh, the Upanishads. Because this is going to be always the first question of the Vedantas. What's your source? Where are you getting this from? What is what is the basis of your interpretation? 
These are like the, the ground rules for playing the game called Vedanta. And uh, one reason I should mention why I thought let's, let's read a little of this is uh, devo devotees, we tend to kind of skip over it or we don't really spend much time with it. Uh, and I just like to remind that our founder, Acharya of ISKCON, Srila Prabhupada, is um, His Divine Grace A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. He was given this name, Bhakti Vedanta, by his sannyas guru, Bhakti Pragyana Keshava Maharaj, to recognize him for his understanding, his knowledge of Vedanta as being bhakti vedanta devotional vedanta uh, and um and so this is a a legacy that we all have uh, which we want to continue and so we have these teachings as given uh, in chaitanya charitamrita in so many purports of Srila Prabhupada, and um of course so much uh in in the bhagavatam the Bhagavatam, by the, way, by the way, is interesting in this respect because one of the early verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, Vedanti tattva-vidas tattvam yadhyanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdhyate advayam jnanam advaya is uh, same family uh, grammatically as Advaita. You know what Advaita means? Nandul, yes. So Advaya Jnana. So the Bhagavatam says <coughs> Advaya Jnana is the subject of the Bhagavatam. It's understood by the sages to be the absolute truth. And it's understood in three ways. in th With three terms. Brahma, Brahman, Paramatman, and Bhagavan. We're familiar with that, but mostly we're not aware that it's Advaya Jnana, which is being spoken of, non-dual knowledge. So the Bhagavatam uh, is, we also subscribe to non-dualism, but that's only half the story. And we have a saying in English that to tell half a truth is worse than a lie. And so the Bhagavatam is telling non-dual ultimate truth, but if we go to the Chatur Shloki uh, verses, in Canto 2, Chapter 9, we see immediately that what's being told about is an absolute truth, which is, although the term is not there, it is inconceivably, simultaneously, one and multiple. One and different. Hmm. Well, we've already come to our end for today. I see it's four o'clock. I should have given some time for discussion. I'm sorry, we can...
do that tomorrow for whoever um, whoever likes to come tomorrow. I I don't know what time the schedule is, but I think I think we're scheduled for some more tomorrow. So if um, having taken some prasadam uh, tomorrow, <laughs> you're ready for more of this. You're welcome. Welcome to come. And hear what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says further to these now very submissive <laughs> Mayavadi sannyasis. Shri <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai, Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita ki jai, Anantakoti Vaishnava Vinda ki jai, Srila Prabhuvara ki jai, Nitai Gora Premanande. Shri Shri Lakshmi Prahlad Nusingadeva Ki Hare Krishna